what's up guys today we're back and we're talking the silver surfer yes this is one of the most dominant cards in the game it's still a top tier one deck and it's the deck that i decided to play this weekend on mojo world and things like that but honestly this deck has just been good throughout and we're going to discuss why it's good even on bad location days and things like that and everything that this deck has to offer so you can kind of understand why it's a tier one deck and let's just you know let's just break down surfer let's break down this deck list and let's discuss you know really why this deck is so powerful and then we'll show off some gameplay of some of the wonderful things that this deck is capable of and the ability of climbing with it is so easy and difficult all the more so let's take a look at this one Calling the Surfer 2.0 uh, mostly because early in the season we were playing the Surfer to the Moon deck, which is a very fun deck. It's a very powerful deck. It has a high risk, high reward factor in the Surfer Mirrors. You know, your ability to have multiple Surfers can absolutely win you games, but your overall gameplay against the meta could be worse because you're trying to do things that are too cute and you're clunking up your deck here and there. Um, so yeah, there's definitely different things to it. Uh, the recent changes that I've had, you know, this is a deck that I played all weekend. I've tried Nakia out a little bit. You know, you might see some gameplay without Nakia. There might have been something else in there. I really just wanted to give Nakia a try and see if, you know, that buff to her made her feel any better. She's been fine. Um, I don't think she's a make or break in this list at all. I think for the most part, you know, her and probably... Probably the Scorpion and the Iceman are the most debatable cards in this list. You know, those three... The other nine, I think, for this particular, like the Stara version, I think the other nine are almost mandatory. Um, you know, you, you can't play this deck without Brood. Just don't bother. Uh, Maximus is kind of the same. The Juggernaut and Storm combo is kind of the same. The Cosmos is another one, like, yes, maybe you can debate it, but honestly, it's very powerful when you're ahead in the mirror, you're just, you're able to get off your Surfer and then prevent your opponent from doing their Surfer, um, which is, like, just absolutely game-altering. Um, everything about this list is great, it's very straightforward, uh, and I wanted to discuss the differences of the locations that so many decks in the game have really bad locations. And honestly, this deck only has one or two. You know, Sanctum is not a great location because we have no way to get anything over there. So that can be really difficult. We're kind of just like out on that one. And then Crimson, Crimson Cosmo. Cosmos is the other really bad location. Uh, you just, you have Sarah and then you have to absolutely win the other two lanes. So that one can also be really rough. And yeah, there's things that you could do to attempt to avoid it, but the truth is, is that even though they're both common locations, it's you know two locations of the 150 plus locations that are in the game. So the odds of you saying them, it's just you're very likely just going to retreat in those games, and that's fine. And you kind of just have to accept that that's it. Whereas you know the let's just use Galactus as an example. Like Galactus has so many bad locations. The same thing, you know. Uh, Crimson Cosmos isn't great for it because it means you have to play your Galactus on that location, which is great and all, but at the same time, it just fo it forces you to have to go to somewhere that if your opponent identifies that you're a Galactus deck, they can help play around that. Um, 
you know, all any location that spits out dudes is bad for Galactus. Anything that like says you can only have one card here can be bad for Galactus. Like, there's just so many locations that are so dangerous for Galactus that it's the reason why it'll probably never be a tier one deck because it's just, you know, the RNG in the game is so hard to overcome sometimes. Surfer is the opposite, where it's, you know, those two locations, maybe there's a third or a fourth, maybe. But honestly, it's really just those two locations that absolutely cut it off because you don't have any way to play it. But your deck is great into Brood, or is great in a Luke's Bar. Your deck is great in a Death's Domain. Like, these decks that just cannot even play on, on those locations, you can still play on them. And on top of that, sometimes you get your cards back, you get to buff everything, you get to do these wild and crazy things uh, on locations that your opponent just can't even interact with whatsoever. And yes, you know, sometimes you're going to lose... And sometimes you're going to be overconfident, and that's great. But the one thing this deck does so wonderful is that it's almost always in the game. Uh, and it's it's always threatening Silver Surfer. So even sometimes when you don't have it, your opponent just has to put you on it. And if they have to put you on it, they have to retreat sometimes. And that just kind of gives you free cubes. Um, you know, as someone that plays a lot of mid-range and control decks very often... It's such a very different taste to play a surfer deck and that's because i'm not even i'm never really used to winning eight cubes so it's difficult for me to even sometimes uh pull the trigger because i'm not sure if it's ever actually good enough which is even crazy and remarkable in itself but this deck is very very good at eight cubes so because when you're in these games with these eight cubes at line you know, you have to do this math. Like, you have to be sure that you're going to win certain locations. Because if your opponent's going to stay in, that means they have a way to win and they think they can win. Or they're putting you on not having Surfer. So you need to be able to very quickly calculate the numbers. Which sometimes are... They're, the power you can put out on turn 6 are, is unbelievable when you have Sarah. Um, especially, like, if you didn't have Brood out in play yet. You know, and I do think that it's a trial and error thing. Is that once you play the deck enough times you understand immediately like okay brood is 15 like if if you understand that brood's 15 that'll that calculates math out right away if you understand that um you know maximus is always 10 which is easy but like sometimes the math on like a wolf spain which is what normally i was playing over nakia for most of a most of the day or most of the, the weekend you know that math is like okay i need to be able to figure that out quickly the problem that i was having with wolfsbane was that i had to play her at the end of the game or she felt like lackluster which is why i wanted to play nakia because honestly i felt that oh i didn't have cards that i wanted to play on three enough so like yeah i always want to play storm on three or i want to play juggernaut on three and things like that but i don't always want to play wolfbane on three so if i play nakia on three Nakia has the ability to buff my other cards and still be a two power and a three cost character. So it's not like this awful thing because you're getting that extra two power twice on other cards. You know, especially if you can, you know, get lucky and fortunate and hit Brood with it. Then Brood is becoming, you know, a 12 plus 9, which is a 21. So like your Brood is just 21 power on its own, which is unbelievable numbers. But nonetheless, um,. Yeah, so there's things that the more you play, the more fluent you get with the deck, you understand that the numbers kind of come quicker, but it, it can be a little bit you know, overwhelming when you're first starting out with this deck to try and figure out those numbers 
on a turn six when you're like, okay, I need this to win. I need to be able to sh you know, be sure that I'm playing this out correctly. Um, there's plenty of times where you're in this 50-50 situation that you might be able to make actually more into like a 60-40 just by you know, being able to calculate your numbers as quickly as possible. 60 seconds goes real fast if you don't have a plan. So you want to have, generally you want to have a plan by like turn three or turn four of how you're going to play out the rest of the game. This way you're not flustered on turn six with this deck. So um, let's check out some gameplay with it and then we'll come back and we'll discuss uh, kind of all the different things that you can do with Surfer in the, you know, in the closing. All right, as we get into the first game here, you guys can see first location, Crimson. Crimson Cosmos, worst location in the entire game for our deck. Uh, all of your cards cost one or three, one to three. <laughs> it's, it is, uh, it's real bad. You know, it's real bad. But we got lucky. Uh, we had Los Diab Diablos base pop up. If we're lucky, we'll be able to uh, have it blow up Crimson Cosmos, and that way we'll be able to play over there. This is a really, a really tight play for us. Um, having Polaris here attempt to trade for his one and his two in some ways is helping us catch up in the game, but in others it's not necessarily. So, you know, this is like a really difficult decision here as we're trying to go through, but, you know, he ends up playing Hood over here too, plays an Ant-Man, so yes, the Hood created uh, the Demon, but we end up getting a quote three for one here but he was going to sacrifice his own cards anyway but we got rid of the angela also so it just leaves him on an ant-man we get lucky and it hits crimson cosmos so now we can play over there uh we have a pretty stellar hand you know we have the rogue to steal the ant-man if we want it we have the sarah next turn um you know there's just a lot of things going on here you know he plays left which buffs the guy which is great because we still have rogue is that as an option we get to storm and then, because of the storm, you know, it's going to give us some seriously good options. So we're going to snap. Uh, and this line of play, I think, takes a little bit of a thought here. You know, we have Killmonger. He snaps back, right? So this, you know, it's pretty great for us. But, like, we have Killmonger in hand. We have Sarah. We have Brood. We do not have Surfer. Uh, so without Surfer, it does become a little scarce. So, you know... We end up playing Sarah mid, which I think is the best. It was just the safety play, basically. You know, A, it gives our opponent priority, which is important because we have the Killmonger, and the Killmonger is likely the way we're going to win this game. Uh, it gives us the extra play in the center, which for six, which means with Surfer we'll have nine. Um, but we do need to find a way to win the game effectively. And... Rogue, I think at first look looks real great. You can steal some power. You know, we could have rogue and brooded on the side and attempted to win both sides. But if our opponent is, you know, an Ultron deck or, you know, any type of deck that finds a way to spread power, this isn't going to be great for us. Um, and I think even like this line looks great because you can buff some cards. But realistically, if we're going to win the game, Killmonger is going to be the way that we win the game. Um,. So, you know, I, I think that this could have been played a couple different ways. There's a, obviously, I'm running through the math here a bunch. You can see the timer running down. In the end, I think the safest play is Brood right, Killmonger left. Um, 
I honestly, the, the safest play was probably just to play Killmonger and Brood right, uh, just in case he played, you know, anything crazy, but he plays into it, which was nice. You know, we have the Brood, we have the Killmonger, uh, and this game is just absolutely over, and our opponent just didn't expect the Killmonger from the priority lane, uh, so we get to just win eight cubes in this game, which is great for us. It's a pretty big win, and that's just the that's just what Surfer does sometimes. Let's take a look at the next game. Alright, so as you see, coming in the game, turn three here. Uh, we had the Scorpion, turn two. We have the Juggernaut in turn three. Our opponent has played nothing to this point. Um, you know, you go through, well, what is my opponent doing? Why haven't I snapped? You know, like I have Star in my hand. I have Surfer in my hand. Um, you know, we can assume he's... A Zabu deck, which misses Zabu on three, so he's a little behind, but these are the things that can happen now, is that he can still have this ability to, honestly, um, lock us out of the game here. You know, if he just has this good Surfer or Man hand, we probably lose. Uh, it's probably not a great feeling. He doesn't. He goes double in Mojo World, which is kind of good for us. One of the cards is Sandman. The problem with Sandman is that and he goes and gets uh, he Jubilee. So Sandman Jubilee, and the Jubilee obviously misses. Uh, the issue with Sandman in general is that I'm ahead in two lanes, and he's ahead in one. Um, I'm going to snap because, you know, I'm doing the math here. He's got zero, zero, two, three, and Storm is actually going to give us the ability to win the middle. And I don't think our opponent is expecting that line of play. He doesn't, you know... But even if I had Brood, like, Brood would have also won middle here. So, this was a bold stay for him, honestly, uh, because he didn't have a lot of outs in the game. You know, and Red Skull, that's great and all, but even Brood over there would have ended up winning that. So, you know, I don't think he calculated it right, but it was a good game for us. Alright, we're coming into the last game here. As you can say, we're on turn 3 again. Your deck, This deck doesn't do a lot of things very often on turns 2 and 3. So, because of that, there's no reason to start the video that early. <laughs> uh, just may as well save the time. But you can see here, you know, we have Surfer, we have Sarah, we have Juggernaut. Um, honestly, you should be... If you have, like, Surfer... And Sarah, you should probably always just be snapping. Um, I might have been playing a little too uh, close to the chest, I would say. Um, this was the really, this was over, these videos were recorded over two and a half hours, and there was a lot of ups and downs of the games. You know, these are some of the best of the games, and you can see the different lines of play here. You know, he gives me a hood, which is whatever. You know, we're going to have Storm, we're going to have Juggernaut, um... And that's going to be, it should be enough power to win the left with the Surfer. And, you know, next turn we're going to have Sarah. And then we have three big, you know, we have the kind of the trifactor of the Polaris, Maximus, and Wolfsbane. Along with the Surfer to kind of just win the game. So any combination of those cards have the ability to win us the game. Um, and, you know, we snap. He gets a Demon. Copy the Demon. That's great. He gets Luke Cage. Uh, that's also pretty good. So we took Luke Cage over there. He can't have any negatives. So he's winning two lanes. Um, now, obviously, this is very much the toxic list that's been going around. You know, where he's going to have 
Luke Cage. He's going to have hazmat and things like that. So what we want to really do, what it's really important for us to do, is to make sure that we stay behind because we want our last turn of the game to happen after his turn to make his hazmats obviously worse. So like he has four characters in play, we have five characters in play. Uh, you know, we have three on the left, which is bad because he's winning that race for hazmat. And then he has two in the mid, we have zero in the mid, and he has one on the right, we have one on the right. So right now, we're actually in a pretty good position um, for this hazmat play, if that's the line he's going to, if he's going to take. And then on top of that, we're going to play, you know, a big Maximus in the center as a chance to, you know, potentially give us the win in the center. Um, we think about Polaris here, you know, Polaris to move over kind of is a guarantee because if we move Viper or Demon, it's kind of like a, a, a win. But he also has Sarah. He has a lot of cheap cards. He's very likely to fill up the lanes, honestly. So we opted against that. But this is what we're talking about here with priority is that this deck is good with priority and it's also good when you don't have priority, which is what makes Surfer so very powerful. So he's clearly thinking if he can win the game. Uh, I'm going to be honest, you know, I haven't played Brood yet, I haven't played Surfer yet. I had six cards in my hand. Um, you know, I can't fathom a reason why he stayed in this game. You know, I don't see how you can think that Carnage is good enough. Uh, the Wong is great, I guess, but this double hazmat, you know, yeah, it puts us to minus three, but it only puts him to eight there. This demon puts him to 11. Uh, you know, we get to play a bunch of guys over there. We get to Maximus, puts us to six, and then we get to Surfer, which puts us to eight, uh, but it ties the left, and we get to win by a lot on the right, so um, just not great for him there. Let's talk about the closing. Alright, let's talk about closing. Talk about Silver Surfer. You can see right here on the thing. I have four different Surfer decks. Like, that's how that's how good Surfer is. Is that, and honestly there's like two more that aren't even on here that I, have, I haven't made or created yet. But like, there's four right there. So we have, you know, the deck we highlighted at the beginning of the season with Zabu. You know, Zabu, Surfer to the Moon. This is all about getting multiple Surfers in the end of the game. And being able to just out-surfer your opponent, basically. Great, fun deck, totally fun to play. Has the ability to put out some really ridiculously stupid numbers, right? But we have Negative Surfer. Negative Surfer was... Now, this has been a decline. I think that this is, like, a, an older version. There's definitely different versions of this now. But, like, this deck is still relevant. Still has the ability to win a lot of games. Still has the ability to snap early because they have specific hands that you're looking for. Fluent, great still a great choice, right? Like, this deck still wins plenty of games. Uh, we have the Surfer, normal Surfer deck that I was talking to you guys already about, and then we have this Patriot Surfer deck that is also a very great option in the metagame. Kind of the same situation, but has different ways to win the game. Sometimes Surfer is good. Sometimes Surfer isn't good, and Ultron's good enough with Patriot and things like that. Like, this deck presents lots of ways to win the game as well, which is the craziest and fun thing about it. But it's all, at the end of the day, built around Silver Surfer. Uh, this card is phenomenal. It's incredibly, it's awesome. Um, it's one of the best game cards that they have created so far. It enables so many different archetypes. You know, I don't even have the Move Surfer on here. I don't have the Lockjaw Surfer on here. Like, there's just all of these wonderful things that Surfer is able to create in the game. It's able to give so many different three-cost cards a lot of love. 
and share like it just it does so many things really really well i truly hope that if you have surfer uh just enjoy playing him you know this is a card that in my opinion has to be on a watch list yes it's a three zero but the ability to give all of your three cost cards plus three power is probably it's definitely got to be on the watch list like it's such a powerful effect it's such a warping effect uh it really it kind of nullifies a lot of turn six plays honestly like turn five and turn six plays when this deck you know is has the ability to go one two three four five six and just play out what it's one what it wants it's really really difficult to beat you know when your opponent has sarah on five it's really difficult to beat you know you're really chasing uh your sarah on five so when you when you're playing against this deck and your opponent has snapped and there's four cubes or eight cubes on the line you need to be sure that you can beat whatever concoction of surfer that your opponent can kind of finish the game with so be very weary uh this card is super incredible and super awesome all of the archetypes have merit and warrant i'm not going to sit here and tell you what is the best one overall because honestly depending on the metagame and what you're playing that day any one of these could be the best on a given day so all in all i hope you guys enjoyed this if you made it this far into the video please hit that like button uh if you're not hit that subscribe button we're still trying to work towards our final goal uh of the month and of course as always, leave me a comment with your favorite surfer deck. You know, this guy's awesome. He really does create so much play for so many different cards in the game, specifically three cost cards. Uh, but hey, what's your favorite surfer combination? Let me know in the comments, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. See ya.